This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for Morning Air today here on Relevant Radio. It's Glenn in for John. He's off helping Santa for a few more days here. And speaking of that, if you're looking for work, uh, the seasonal work for Santa will end shortly here. But uh, we'll talk uh, about uh, some career options and networking as well. Bruce Lackenauer joins us before this hour is through. But first, two really important things like the Eucharist and uh, great ways you can grow in your devotion to the Eucharist this Christmas. To talk about that, uh, we always uh, are happy to bring on one of our great regulars from Narragansett, Rhode Island, a pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Parish there. Father Marcel Tyone joins us. Happy last couple days of Advent, Father. How are you doing in the, the run-up to the, the big day? I'm great. The four candles were lit, and uh, churches are decorated, and no lights on. We're ready to go, and uh, can't wait for Christmas. Very good, very good. And uh, one of those ways is to really help us uh, to deepen our, our faith. You, you want to join us today with something that's on the, the heart of the U.S. bishops as well, with an initiative over the next few years, and was talking with a, a bishop just yesterday about this, but the, the focus on the Eucharist. And you've got some, some good ideas to help us do that, even in the midst of Christmas. Here. Well, of course, so we believe the Catholic Church and the church founded by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, whose birth we're about to celebrate, founded the church, but he instituted the Holy Eucharist. And Catholics believe, or are called to believe, that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. So after the what's called the epiclesis, the hands come down by the priest or bishop, and the, the Holy Spirit comes down, and it's no longer just spread. It's the true body and blood of Christ. And uh, the bishops felt called, I think, moved by the Holy Spirit to set off this initiative to make all of us, whether we understand and believe and profess the true presence of Christ, or maybe Catholics, um, you know, of course, we don't know, studies say that many Catholics have, have fallen away from the faith. We know people among our own families and friends certainly that have done that, and you wonder, maybe, certainly one of the reasons they've fallen away is they don't believe or never understood the true presence of Jesus in the Mass and the Eucharist. So as Christmas is coming, there's no better time to listen to the bishop's invitation and, and take that invitation to meditate on the true presence of Jesus, the Jesus born in Bethlehem, who's died and risen, becomes truly present at every Mass, in every tabernacle, at every sacrificial offering. So it's really, it should be and and could be or could be transformative for us how we celebrate the days of Christmas by how we understand the mystery of the Eucharist. And that's really so that's really what it is. So obviously they, the first thing we could do is go to Mass on Christmas Day, uh, be truly present to the Eucharist. So we believe Christ is truly present to us and within, within every ounce of our possibility and fidelity uh, while being safe, we should really try to do everything we can to be present at Mass. So, you know, online, we know some people have no choice for different reasons, but everyone else that does, we really should be present with the community. Um, I had a family here last night, a mom and dad, two children, they all came to confession and were in the church and, and they just relished, they couldn't believe how, how appreciative they were that they're coming to Christmas Mass uh, after not being able to do that. So, you know, I think that's one thing is to be truly present to Jesus as he is to us on Christmas Day, meaning being with the community, 
making our way back into being truly present in churches. And we, but there's nothing like being, as we know, right? We know that texting someone or having a conversation with someone uh, is different, being in the presence of someone rather than just over the phone or some kind of technology. So it's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus is with us through technology, no doubt about that. But we want to receive the Eucharist and be able to receive Jesus uh, for Christmas. So going to Mass in person would be obviously the priority for, for all of us. And maybe if someone's been lapsed, someone's been kind of drifted away or pandemic drifted, I call it. Some of the people that kind of drifted and haven't come back that are out at other things. If they're out at sports and shopping and dinners and restaurants, um, they really should come home for Christmas to the Lord Jesus. So maybe, maybe today you hear this program and you're thinking of someone. Who might Jesus asking you to invite or encourage to go to Mass in person? Um, maybe that's one of the gifts we can give Jesus for his birthday, inviting someone or encouraging someone to be with him, uh, to be truly present to him as he's truly present to us in that way. So that would be that would be my first suggestion. And we we know that despite, uh, say, the power of relevant radio is one great example in inviting folks to church, it's that, that personal invitation has such great power. And maybe there's someone we know that uh, might have an inkling of interest if only they're asked to, to bring along as, as particular holiday plans are made for exactly what will be happening on the 24th, 25th, or 26th. I would bet you recommend that we, we gently ask someone to join us. Sure, and I know people, there are people that I know, several compromised elderly people, you know, cancer patients and things like that so their families are going to bring them to the church in between the masses so the family is going to go to mass and then the churches are open between the masses they're going to bring them in to do some adoration to see the manger but also to adore the lord in the tabernacle so that's sort of another a third way for those people that maybe uh, can't be in big crowds or anything but still can visit the lord jesus and I remember going to Bethlehem myself, like the real Bethlehem, not Pennsylvania, the one in the Holy Land, and being over there with pilgrim groups and stuff. And but I remember, you know, really as as moving as it was to touch the place in tradition that Jesus was actually born. You go kind of if you've been over there, you you kneel down and you you touch the place. But I think even more moving for people was we'd go in these side chapels and have mass, and then receiving the bread of life, uh, receiving the true presence. I think in some ways was even more moving than touching the place where Mary gave birth to Jesus for actually receiving him. And I think the same thing can be with us for Christmas, right? Being around the tabernacle if we can't attend Mass in person, but especially being at Holy Mass, receiving and worshiping him who gave himself to us. So I, th I think we have to be creative this year. And again, it's Jesus' birthday. What does he want for his birthday? I think he wants two things. He wants our sins and confession, which makes him have great joy. And secondly, he wants to share himself with us. And so those are the, the two ways, I think, in which we can spend these last days of Advent longing for him and, and, and kind of answering his longing for us as well. Father Marcel Tayon is with us this morning on Morning Ear on Relevant Radio, taking a look at five ways to grow in devotion to the Eucharist uh, this Christmas. And uh, one of those is really to make sure that focusing on Christ is, is part, Christ in the Eucharist is is part of what we do on Christmas Day, even. You know, we think, oh, it's so busy, and finally get to sit back and relax a little. How about uh, maybe relaxing uh, in, the, in front of our Lord in adoration? Absolutely. There's nothing like that, and I encourage people to do it even today, tomorrow, but to attend the daily Mass if someone's off for work on Christmas Eve, 
Um, and they have the whole day off. Um, most churches have daily mass. We'll have daily mass Christmas Eve in the morning, not Christmas mass. But you know, sometimes people have more time off. It's hectic, but take that thirty minutes for daily mass, whatever it might be, in your home parish or go to a local shrine. You know, catch a quick confession somewhere at a, maybe a a pilgrimage site or a church that has a lot of confessional times. Um, so it's it's such a hectic time these days, and you add a pandemic anxiety around all this. But but we don't. God doesn't want us to be anxious. You know, and what does it say in the Mass? You know, free us from all distress. There should be no distress around preparing for the Lord's birth if we kind of keep the focus. So these kind of Eucharistic-focused activities actually bring calm and peace and joy that were in Mary and Joseph's heart. So, you know, on, on the morning Jesus was born and the night, uh, imagine, you know, I think moms and dads have had this experience. The child comes out of the womb. They see him, and please God, the child is healthy and well. They hear the cry, and the joy overtakes them. Anything else that's wrong in their life at that point fades away. It's out of their minds and focus as the child is born and given to them. And I think that's really what the Lord wants us to experience, Holy Family wants us to have for Christmas, really. And we can have that experience receiving the Eucharist as well. I suggest if you need a meditation after going back, you know, to our pews uh, on Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass, or Christmas Day, you know, going back, closing our eyes, not looking around who's there, but really communing with Jesus and picturing that moment, you know, when, when the baby came out, the first time Mary took Jesus in her hands, and, and we take him into our whole person, body and blood, soul and divinity. So sort of thanking the Lord for that, maybe kind of a an imaginative meditation on that, a gratitude that Jesus comes to us. And that's Christmas right there, God coming to us, God humbling himself, God healing us, being with us, giving us joy and the peace of his presence and friendship. And that's what Christmas is all about, God coming from the heavens, sending Jesus into our lives, and to rid ourselves of the darkness and the fear and the trembling and the fear of death and any of that. And if we've lost someone over this year, you know, kind of going to the Eucharist, I always tell people that have had someone pass away or better way to return to the Lord, um, being at Mass is the place to be closest to them because that's who made them, that's redeemed them, that's the way. Jesus is the only way. We'll be with them again forever. So being with Jesus in his true presence is the best way to grieve, uh, certainly on these holy days. For some people, it's very, very difficult, especially in the light of the ways in which people have been separated through the pandemic from people. But the Eucharist is is really the antibiotic, the bomb, the salve, the vaccine against death and separation. And the Eucharist unites us to our deceased, but especially to Christ. So I encourage you, if you're listening, you're really sad um, this year or experiencing some kind of grief, you know, the Mass and, and doing adoration is, is really, it really not only takes the edge off, but it fills uh, our hearts and minds with those that we've lost or people we know that have lost. So that's another remedy for grief is is the Eucharist itself. So encourage you to do that. Also encourage you, maybe if you can't go out or for all of us to take some time reading a book about the Eucharist um, in the coming year or over Christmas break. Sometimes might be traveling a lot, but maybe there's less relatives and friends at our tables or parties this year. So we do have more time. And maybe reading a book on the Eucharist, ordering something about the Eucharist, a litany about the Eucharist, the catechism, reading the catechism about the Eucharist, just that, those sections is, is very, very helpful. There's enormous podcast today and things on relevant radio app, all kinds of things that we can do, but maybe a New Year's resolution this year will be because of our bishop's invitation, a pledge to actually really spend more time with the true presence of Jesus and delving into that. So I would encourage that. And maybe another another suggestion would be to, to go to daily Mass over Christmas break. So a lot of college kids are home, um, families are together, even though it might be a bit smaller this year, but we're still able to be together. Um, 
And maybe a great thing to do is to actually attend a daily mass. Now, if you're listening, they've never been to a daily mass. Some people are surprised. They're not sure what that means in a sense, but there's usually no music, uh, a, a shorter homily, and a, and a wonderful, quiet um you know, morning mass or evening mass, whatever it might be in your church, is usually kind of a, a stillness to it. You can come early, read the reading, and, and it's really having like a daily retreat. So I encourage you towards that. Maybe if you've never had an opportunity for work, um, a lot of people work remotely today. So if you work remotely, there's more chance to get to the parish church and work your remote working around, making the Eucharist an anchor of your day. And daily mass has changed people's lives. You know, you think of Dorothy Day, I know people here in our parish that have converted. One guy last year was a Christian scientist, and he couldn't believe the number of cars on a Monday morning at our church. He was walking around the neighborhood. Christian scientists walked it. He couldn't believe the cars at daily mass. He was attracted. He went in and felt something, and then ended up in RCA converting. But the number of cars of people at daily mass in a little neighborhood is what attracted him. So people's daily mass devotion is what attracted this man to the Eucharist and eventually to conversion from Christian scientists. And so even if you go on daily mass, your car outside might have done something to bring someone to faith. And so that's another example. Maybe go on a daily mass over Christmas break, over the holy days, the holidays, um, and to do that. And maybe, again, bring a relative or a friend and go for coffee or talk about the reading, the homily. Uh, those are all things that this time of year it's almost easier to do because of the holiday schedule. So uh, I should say the holiday schedule. They're all holy days for us, um, not holidays. So encourage everyone uh, if you have, to go to daily mass, go back to daily mass. And again, daily mass is a smaller crowd and you kind of find your spot. And it's just a very special way to start or end the day or even midday at work. So encourage our listeners to kind of consider that for, for the ultimate New Year's resolution, John. Five ways to grow in devotion to the Eucharist uh, this Christmas. Uh, some great ideas with Father Marcel Tyone as we continue here with Morning Air. If you have questions or uh, suggestions or maybe experiences you've had of deepening your relationship with Christ in the Eucharist, let us know at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I love how a, a car helped evangelize there. Probably had a, a relevant radio bumper sticker on it. Maybe that was the, was the key. But, Father, when we think about... well. Yeah, as Catholics, daily mass, it's it's out there. It's never that far away from us. We might, uh, you know, in, in kind of secular culture, hear about, well, boy, Muslims, they pray five times a day. They're, they do this and they do that, and they've had workplaces that have had to make arrangements. Well, we have things like the Angelus prayed three times a day. We have daily mass. Do we realize that we can be very faithful, very regular, and we can get started too. And to try and get someone started with daily mass, they don't necessarily have to, well, I got to do this every day of the week, right? But if you can get them adding a day or two or three, that's a great way to, to build up to it, isn't it? No, it is. And you start somewhere. I've I've always challenged parishioners I know or busy people say, you know, can you go to, especially in Lent, can you do, can you do one day a week, like do Friday on one day? Um, or Wednesday, pick the day that's the easiest and start there and do do one day a week. And, and usually almost everybody really wants to do more than that. Once they get it, they start getting the Eucharist. They almost can't live without Jesus after a while. It becomes this great, great thing. So yeah, I encourage people to do that. You mentioned the Angelus, right? Our Muslims friends, right? They're inspiration. They do the devout Muslim five times a day. They get down on the floor. Um, you know, we Catholics have that tradition of the Angelus praying at 
well, 6 a.m., which most people see, but 12 noon and 6 p.m. Um, here at my parish staff several years ago, we have a bell that rings at noon, and uh, we do our best now. For the last couple of years, we pray the Angelus as a staff. We pause. Sometimes there's a parishioner in the, coming in who doesn't know what it is, and we pray with them and give them the copy of the prayers. And It's a simple way to pause and recall the incarnation of Jesus. So I'd encourage if you hear church bells in your neighborhood, they usually go off at noon and 6, and that's a call to Angelus. You, don't, you can look that up. It's probably, I'm sure it's on our app at Relevant Radio, but to start those prayers, it's just three Hail Marys, uh, intonations, and it's really, it takes about a minute or so, but it's a nice thing to do, and maybe you can do that at work on your phone, or you can do that, kind of do that at noon and six, wherever you are, as best we can, and that punctuates the day, kind of like the monks do. Our monks go to prayer, priests and religious pray what's called the breviary. We punctuate our day with prayers for the world and can offer the Angelus up prayer for, you know, for an intention for your family, your loved ones. You can do that at home, in a nursing home. We can do it on vacation. Um, Again, many people are traveling this time of year. Great opportunity to visit a new tabernacle, a new church. Start daily mass when you're traveling. Um, you know, especially a lot of people I know go to warm places this time of year. Many of our Christians are going south, and uh, they love coming back and bringing the bulletins and kind of looking at new artwork. Sometimes you go to mass or a new church when you're traveling. Kind of exciting. It's like going to see a new, not a museum, but even better, a place where Christ is worshipped and adored. And we go into a new church. We're hypersensitive. Uh, you know. People are in our own churches. We, we're so comfortable. We don't look around anymore, and we kind of have our. It's like being in our living room. What happens when you travel? You go in the hotel room or a house. You look all around, and we look at every little thing that people have put up to decorate. It's the same thing with churches. How beautiful it is that the glory and the beauty of Catholicism can go anywhere in the world and find a tabernacle, which is extraordinary. So if you're traveling this this Christmas holiday or you know people are friends, encourage them to discover a new church and to go to Mass and even daily Mass. So daily Mass is easier on vacation than it is sometimes in our hometown. So uh, another thing to do and today with, with Internet websites and um, 1-800-MASS times, it's kind of easy to find out where the Lord is being given to us. And usually it's right where we're vacationing, right down the street, pretty close by. So, so again, another encouragement to try to... Uh, to be um, a pilgrimage, make make your vacation a pilgrimage, even traveling to relatives and friends, ask them what, where the local parish is, and I think it's a wonderful thing uh, to do that. So, so got to be creative, got to be on point, Angelus, Daily Mass, looking at new churches, holy hours, confessions, and you know, there's a couple of days left for Christmas, that's two full days. So we've got to stop the shopping maybe a little bit, bake a little less, and, and go get the true bread that's that's given to us from heaven, the bread of the angels. It'd be great. Amen to that. Father, checking in with the phones here. Mary in New Jersey is a Daily Mass fan. Uh, Happy Advent to you, Mary. What's on your heart about Daily Mass today? Oh, Father, it's great to speak with you both. I have a memory from my high school retreat way back in 1964, and the priest left me with this one thought. Well, there were two, but this is the one that's relevant here. Uh, He said, try to go to Mass during the week whenever you can. We can call that the Mass for the Misses, for those who miss on Sunday. Maybe you can make a little reparation for them. So I've always remembered that. Wow. Well, what a great insight. I've never, I've never heard of that. I think that's a wonderful uh, catchphrase that it's going to set the guy with the, you know, looking at the parked cars, you go in. But right, that's a beautiful idea that you unite yourself to pray for those laps from the faith. So so I what, say that again. What's that one line? Mass for the misses, right? The, the, a mass for the misses. You go to an extra wow. mass during the week, a daily mass. And maybe that would make a little reparation for those that are missing on Sunday. 
Well, what a wonderful idea that is. <laughs> Thanks for the call. That's a great, great insight and You're suggestion. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a merry Thank you, Mary. Yes, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Father, we appreciate your service all year long, uh, of course, of what you do in uh, in the, your parish, but also your, your service on the radio here, uh, joining uh, the inner life as well as morning air on a regular basis here. We want to wish you a, a Merry Christmas, and uh, thanks for being with us. Some great ideas to experience Christ more fully in the Eucharist this Christmas season and uh, always having your, your great presence on the radio here. We continue with Morning Air next year on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. We'll take a look at, yes, you can do some job hunting and maybe building up that network a little bit during the holidays as well. Bruce Lackenhauer, career coach, joins us next here on Morning Air. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. I love this has become a Christmas song because it's part of the Peanuts Christmas special. Love Linus's testimony as well. There we go. Morning Air continuing now here on Relevant Radio. Thanks for joining us here on Morning Air. It's Glenn in for John today. A Christmas story corner coming up before this hour is through. First off, do you find yourself with on your Christmas list perhaps a a new job? You're looking for that and you're thinking, oh my, everything's going to shut down for a few days. Now, is there anything I can do that would be helpful to finding some new work? I mean, even temp work with Santa will be wrapping up soon here with the elves, uh, you know, putting the finishing touches on those toys in the next day or two. And there are things you can do. Networking, one of those. And uh, how about uh, figuring out that good elevator speech? You know, maybe if we're uh, Visiting relatives in an apartment will have that education, but, uh, you know, it's that uh, quick description of uh, what you're about, what you're up to, and more. Career coach Bruce Lockenhauer is joining us once again to, to talk about that and uh, some of those 12 steps on the way to landing your dream job, uh, talking about that elevator pitch today. Bruce, happy Advent to you. How are things looking just a couple days in front of Christmas? Oh, Glenn, they're great. What a wonderful time of year. It's chaotic, but joyful. And uh, you're right, there are things you could do on the job front. You know, I suppose people think, oh, some offices are closed or the boss is away on vacation for a few days, and how can I get a hold of the, the, the right people? But a big part, uh, an ongoing kind of background part of uh, looking for work is is building that network. That's uh, one of the important steps. And being able to kind of concisely say what, what we're about, it's called that elevator speech. Uh, salespeople, professional salespeople might have that nailed down a little bit more than than others, but uh, still important and, Bruce, still still doable too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I want to talk, I want to spend most of our time talking about that, but before we do, Glenn, I'd like to go back to a caller we couldn't get to last time. He, uh, this is Sam from Athens, Georgia, and his request was, what advice would we have for someone who's handicapped? He's blind and uh, I hope he's listening today because I uh, have a friend of a friend who uh, became blind in middle, in middle school. He, he had the fortitude and desire to complete high school. He then went to college, got his bachelor's degree, and then uh, got his law degree. Today, he's a state judge. 
I mean, that's some, and he's blind. I mean, that, that that's just absolutely amazing. And the, the message is, that, well, it wasn't without some challenges too, Glenn, because, you know, he wouldn't take no for an answer when he went to apply at the state. They said, well, we've never had a blind judge. And he said, well, guess what? That's okay. I'm going to take the test and show you I can do it. And indeed, he did. So, you know, my message to Sam in Athens, Georgia is the same for all our, our, our listeners who are in a position where they may uh, uh, be looking, they may have discerned that they, they should find a different uh, uh, employment opportunity. And that's to you know, figure out prayerfully what your competencies are and what your passion is. Obviously, this, this judge had a passion for the law. Um, and then use the 12 steps that we're talking about to, to help make it happen. Uh, now, in this best job market in history, and in fact, there are a couple new surveys that came out or, or, or data points that came out that caught my attention I wanted to share with listeners. Uh, uh, one of them was from the conference board, which is a think tank, and they surveyed almost 2,000 workers and found that stress is still stress and burnout are still big challenges. And they found that uh, uh, it, it's, it's gone up, in fact, almost 50% from uh, just six months ago, and that about half the people they talked to feared that, that the work stress was harming their mental health. Uh, it shouldn't be the case. And, and we need to find a, a job and a situation and a work-life balance where you can be fulfilled, both professionally and you know, supernaturally, personally, in, in all aspects of your life. So the, the other, the other uh, go ahead, Glenn. Oh, just to say with the uh, uh, job stress, is it partly maybe people thinking just life stress in general in, in COVID times and all the changes and they might, it might be due to their job or they might be kind of placing the, the blame on their job if they're just stressed in general? You know, you could, could be true, could be true. And, and COVID has definitely thrown a lot of or the quarantine and, and everything around has thrown a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges at, at folks. And then again, we talked before about how some people have a hard time, most people, frankly, have a hard time turning off when you're working from home. You know, they, they start at 6.30 and then have a conference call at 7 and then go until 7 o'clock at night, which is not a, not a healthy uh, balance and, and it can't, it's not sustainable. And companies are trying to address it, uh, Glenn, but uh, with a whole bunch of things, mandatory vacations, shutdowns, and, and all sorts of things. And we'll find a balance. But it's, the onus is not on you. The onus is not on the company, but it's on the employee. It's, the onus is on you to make sure that you're in a, a work situation where you can make the money that you need to make and you can have the, the, the family, the life balance, so you can spend the time with family and your faith on what's important and be fulfilled in what you do professionally. And again, right now, this is the time to do it. So the, the other thing that, that uh, I thought was interesting, and, and again, it, it's more fuel to the fire, this, uh, this uh, great reawakening, is that the personal savings rate has been at an all-time high. When people were quarantined, they weren't out spending on vacations, travel, you know, what have you. And that rate hit in April of 2020. was the all-time high. And it's been up there until just recently. starting to, to tick down just a little bit. But 33%. So a third of what people were making, they were socking away. And that's up from 8% in February of 2020. So, so people have saved a chunk, good chunk of change here, Glenn. And then you add to that the fact that their house, if they own a house, uh, that's appreciated in, the, in, in almost all housing markets across the country. And the stock market's at an all-time high. So everybody's feeling like they're okay financially. And the Wall Street Journal cited this, uh, this Commerce Department data and said that their, their theory is that that's contributed to uh, many couples moving from a dual-income situation to a single-income household. 
meaning mom or dad gets to stay home with the kids. Now, I know we've had listeners, Glenn, who've called in or they're struggling to make ends meet or struggling to find a way to, to find a house. So this is not for everyone, but I think it's, it's another silver lining of this pandemic that people have been able to save and maybe in a position where they can bite the bullet, trust in God, and, and have one of, the, uh, one of the spouses stay at home. So that's, that's another, I think, exciting uh, bit of news that, that's, that's come across. So um, very interesting, uh, Bruce. That in this day and age, uh, we're we're heading back to kind of our vision of that uh, that traditional time when there was uh, one major bread owner, bread owner, <laughs> the person who who brought home the bread, and uh, and uh, one major breadwinner, and the other being able to take care of the family, and how life in some ways was much easier being able to do that. But uh, yeah, know, we're not there yet. On the one we're not hand, there yet. But, it, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It seems what we're reading, what we're reading and hearing right now, uh, on the one hand, is that we. You know, there, there's fear everywhere. And you'd think in a time of fear, people wouldn't want to change jobs. They want to just kind of be safe with uh, what they're in the middle of. But uh, yet with is part of this driven maybe by the, the lack of availability for, uh, you know, kind of that expendable income, that disposable income, having opportunities for that as so much of entertainment and travel was shut down for so long that we oops, we just ended up saving and, uh, you know, realizing maybe, well, Boy, that's a good thing. If I'm not, uh, you know, recklessly spending so much, we have we have money to make some of those big important choices. Like, yes, you know, who can yes, stay indeed, home? Indeed, indeed, and and again, as we've talked about, people are making those uh, changes. There, you know, it's been called the Great Resignation or the Great Quit. Uh, one of my partners just coined a term, the Great Reshuffle. But again, I think it's missing the point because what I think is happening is a great reawakening where people have stopped have had to step out and reassess what's most important. And uh, in fact, the, uh, the chief economist, the ZipRecruiter, uh, just came out and said, uh, reminded us that one of the most popular New, Year, New Year's resolutions is to get a new job as you, as you kicked off our show. So uh, we're here to talk about, to help people uh, think about not a new job, but a dream job. <clears throat> How can you find that job that's gonna really help you fulfill your, your vocation to be a good Catholic, to be a good Christian, uh, and, uh, and succeed in the workplace. And it's, you know, we're, we're, we're now on the step. You talked about networking. First, you're going to prayerfully discern. Then you're going to make sure all your marketing materials, your resume, and your social media uh, tell the story. And then you're going to hit the networking. We talked about last time the three stages of networking, but an important piece to have in your, in your arrow in your quiver when you hit the networking. And just as you were at a Christmas event yesterday, I think, Glenn, um, there are ample opportunities here in the holiday season to break out your elevator pitch. So what's your elevator pitch, Glenn? My elevator pitch? Well, you know, I would just uh, say in my, my radio voice, uh, ground floor, please. And, uh, you know, get the person closest <laughs> to the button. To, and then they'd know what I'm all about that I, uh, I work on the radio. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard these. Uh, I've been to seminars where they teach you how to do those and, uh, and the importance of those. And like I said, kind of in the, in the sales world, when I did uh, some of that for radio, in addition to the announcing stuff, uh, kind of interesting to, to think about that. If you're always looking in certain environments, maybe certain network rich environments to kind of always be ready to be selling a little bit right to always be closing is the idea in sales right but to be able to kind of 
promote yourself, you know, humbly, gently, and concisely in just a, a little bit of time, you know, so you can have, you know, in, uh, scripturally, right, uh, Paul says we ought to have an answer for the hope that lies within. A great point when somebody asks, hey, why are you peaceful, happy, joyful, whatever you can say is because of Christ and this and that. But, uh, you know, if we can talk about our profession a little bit uh, quickly in that way as well. And I suppose for me, it would depend on what that environment is as well. If you're in a, yes. a radio yes. announcer convention, it's a little differently uh, how you talk about yes. it than if you're uh, completely in a different environment. And, uh, you know, there was a time when, oh, wow, radio, that's pretty interesting. And uh, now it'll, it might be, oh, I don't listen to that. I listen to, <laughs> to my own songs or whatever. But uh, so it, it depends on the environment a little bit. But we're going to take a quick break because, uh, you know, that's what we need in, in part of work is that work-life balance. So we're going to balance it out by taking a quick little break here and come back with your advice on the best elevator speech. And uh, we'll take your calls to our numbers 888-914-9149. Got some top-notch career advice and coaching for you available right now for free on the phone, 888-914-9149. Back with more of Bruce and his elevator pitch right around the corner as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Taking you through the last few days of Advent. Thanks for joining us on Relevant Radio here. It's Glenn in for John. Our story corner coming up in just a few minutes. We continue now with career coach Bruce Lockenauer. He's got great advice for you at 888-914-9149 as we talk networking and in particular that elevator speech and uh, that great intro to you and what you're about can be helpful even in the midst of holidays here as we uh, work on some of that networking and get ready for maybe that uh, New Year resolution of a new job. All right, what's the best official way to do that elevator speech, Bruce? You know, uh, I don't know if there is an official way, but it needs to have some, some basic elements. You know, you have to let someone know who you are, what you're looking for, and then you need to have an ask in there. What, what help are you seeking? As we talked about earlier, you're not asking for a job. You're asking for someone to help you find a job. Uh, and the, you know, the, obviously, the, as you said, down, please, you know, ground floor. You need to be able to do that in the time it would take you to get on the elevator and then uh, get off uh, you know, a minute or two later. So it's got to be succinct. And you know, I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing this. And I've had many, many clients come from the oddest places where I, you know, I've met a friend, a neighbor, what have you, and let them know what I do for a living. And then lo and behold, uh, a friend of theirs gives me a call about an executive search need that they have. So you never know when you're going to pull this out. But as you mentioned, you know, the, the holiday times, good grief, we're, uh, we're with family, we're, we're with friends, and it's a chance to raise awareness. It's another marketing tool like your social media and your resume, your LinkedIn uh, profiles. So basic 
basic uh, uh, couple examples. One, uh, I was, it's got to be crisp and confident. So I, I was talking to my daughter uh, earlier this week about uh, this topic. And she said, oh, dad, don't you remember teaching me this? I said, remind me. And she said, oh, yeah. So when I was an intern at NATO and looking to get a, a full-time gig in cybersecurity, uh, you told me I need to say who I am. Yeah, I, I'm a Royal Lockenauer. I'm a graduate of blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I've been working with NATO. NATO, what I seek, what I'm good at. I'm, I'm particularly good at, at you know, XYZ, whatever it is. It's beyond my uh, pay grade. And what I seek, I'm seeking a full-time position where I can fully take advantage of these skills. A call to action. I'd love your help. You know, do you know of any opportunities uh, or any people you should be putting me in touch with so that I can uh, uh, move from being an intern to a full-time position? So my ele- elevator pitch is, uh, you know, hi, I'm Bruce Lockenauer and a former CEO and a search partner with 20 years of experience uh, working with executives on talent and careers. But I've been a regular guest on Morning Air where I've developed the 12 steps to landing your dream job. And now I'm seeking advice on how best to write a book and get it published. Would you be able to provide me any insights or uh, can you direct me to someone who, who, who can? So that's uh, again, uh, one more example. So there's a networking group for boards and they... Uh, they say it should be a high-impact three-sentence statement. I think you need the fourth, which is the call to action. But they said, here's an example. I intend to serve on a public company board in the next few years, and I'm looking for the right board for me. I have four years of experience in the healthcare industry at companies X, Y, and Z, and was you know, COO of, of company uh, A. I'm immediately ready to serve on the audit committee, and then I would add, what advice do you have for me? So, again, there's no perfect uh, uh, whatever you're most comfortable with, but a, a, a few key points on it. You know, make sure that it resonates with whatever you're targeting. So we've talked about this before a little bit in that you should do the research on the companies, on the industry, and it's very easy. All the stuff is out there on, on the internet to understand what skills and what type of people you know, are succeeding in those environments. Find some people, take them out to lunch, uh, have coffee with them, talk to them. Find a position spec that they'll, they'll That'll, that'll uh, clue you in so that you make sure that in your couple sentences, you make it clear that you would be a stellar fit and a great uh, person for them to consider. And then that knowledge also, Glenn, can help you, you know, demonstrate your natural affinity and enthusiasm and passion for what they're doing. I, I was just on the phone yesterday, in fact, with a vice president of human resources who, who earlier told me that uh, he, you know, you can see a terrific candidate in an interview, but they're going to go with a person who wants to work there. So show, you know, show your knowledge, show your enthusiasm, and that will give you a leg up as, a, as I was coached early in, in my career. Finally, practice the pitch. And you're, you're right, Glenn. It depends on the environment. You know, if you're going to a bunch of radio convention versus a Christmas party, you're going to alter the pitch. But get the core one down. Rehearse it just because it's got to roll off your tongue so that people say, oh, by the way, you know what? I happen to know. Uh, yeah, have a friend who is in that industry or who know you know what who can make that connection so does that help well Bruce I'd love I love one of the key points you mentioned there uh, in, in terms of the ask is I need your help so you're not asking directly for the job you don't know that that person has one for you not if they do and you're asking for help they'll say well you know as a matter of fact we're looking but I think in terms of Helping network, I find that very fun. We run into tons of people uh, in the talk radio business with doing several interviews every day, and it seems to be kind of a natural thing to want to. Oh, you, you, you know, you're trying to do this. Well, I know some people who did that. I'd love to hook.
cookie up or you're looking to do a book, here's some people I know that work in publishing or have had things published. And I think it's human nature to kind of want to help a little bit like that. So that can be fun. Also wondering, and this maybe plays into kind of knowing our audience, you know, what what floor is that elevator on? But uh, the idea of authenticity. So it, it, you know, we can make it sound like a natural part of conversation as opposed to Hey there, I'm looking for a job. Can you yes. give me something? You know, absolutely. So. Be yourself. Be authentic. And 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 you know, your, your point is spot on. The you know, the flip side of human nature. We want to help people, but also for whatever reason, you may have a job right in your department. You know, and it may be reported to you. But when someone comes and asks for a job, hey, I need a job, uh, you get defensive and you say, oh, well, you know, I'll see what I could do, whatever. But when people ask for help. That's human nature. We want to help. We're social. We're social beings, and as, as Christians and Catholics, you know, that's part of our vocation is to help others. So it's it, we have an inclination to help, but for whatever reason, we get defensive when people uh, ask for a job. And the other thing is, you know, I love the fact that you said it can be fun. Not for everyone. I mean, my daughter, in fact, uh, as she was going out from this internship, and by the way, she did land a, a fabulous position. She, um, it's not her nature, and she just made gave herself a challenge of how many she, calls she had to make or emails or outreaches she had to do a day and recognize that it only takes one and you're going to get lots of no's that's okay uh uh you need you know in that networking it's you never know where you're going to find it so you you got to turn over every stone uh and and along the way you're going to be making friends my other advice on, on networking uh that we we didn't talk about is keep that network alive and at a minimum thank them after you've landed that job reach back out to them and say, just wanted to know, I really appreciate you take some time to give me some advice and I will now be starting XYZ. So um, uh, God willing uh, that uh, we can help that half of the population that's feeling that <laughs> their current environment is affecting their, their mental health, you know, heaven forbid, um, that they are gonna start that first step though. We don't wanna forget that first step, which is to prayerfully discern, discern and here in the holidays, when we're not working, where we're not on our phones, you know, 24 by 7 with work stuff, good time to unplug and pray and, and really ask our Lord, what do I need to change, you know, personally and professionally? Uh, and maybe it's fine. Maybe it's just altering your schedule and asking your boss uh, to, to help you work from home more or whatever it is to help you get to heaven and bring a lot of people with you. Yes, the best career advice comes from uh, way above. A absolutely. Hey, Bruce, one of the things I was thinking in terms of networking, some people might uh, limit themselves a little bit. If we think our network only has to be people that are in kind of that natural network of exactly the same type of work that we're doing, uh, maybe discounting some people that might be friends, neighbors, relatives that you know, know people that know people that are adjacent to things. And by expanding our network beyond just, say, other radio announcers, that can do uh, pay great benefit. You'd never know who knows whom. And, and I, I mentioned this, forgive me for repeating myself, but I, the first place I would start is your parish priest. Because think about it. There are thousands of families in that parish, and, and he probably knows a lot of them and a lot of what they do. You know, maybe they're on the parish council, you know, what have you. Uh, that would be a great place to start because he'll probably give you some, some spiritual advice as well as uh, professional advice. But you're absolutely right. You should exhaust the network. You know, the, the people you know. And a lot of people are changing careers. We talked about this. Uh, LinkedIn is your online directory to who knows whom. So find the people who'd be hiring the job you want. Find people who know them or, or reach out to them and, uh, 
and and you know position yourself well so that in this market where they're looking for great talent they'll see you and if, again it's best if you can network in as we talked about before some 70 or 80 percent of jobs are aren't even posted they're solved through networking and even those that are posted most of those are solved through networking so get that elevator pitch and get that networking going and just uh, 30 seconds left, uh, Bruce, any uh, last great advice for us here as we maybe are peeking around the holidays here to kicking off the new year with a new start uh, in the career side of life, too? Yeah, it's so, such a chaotic time. Um, you know, find a time to get into uh, your neighborhood church and just kneel before the Blessed Sacrament or sit sit there and, and listen. You know, put it out there for our Lord. And uh, again, I've, I've mentioned before, my favorite aspiration is, Lord, that I may see. I'm not not always happy with what I hear, but uh, uh, if you give him the chance, he'll he'll help you get there. Uh, well said, Bruce Lockenauer, career coach. Look forward to more of those 12 steps as we uh, get the privilege to talk with you on a regular basis here on Morning Air. Morning Air continues now, and Merry Christmas, Bruce. Got to get to today's Christmas-oriented story corner. Our story today called "Twas the Fight Before Christmas." "'Twas the fight before Christmas, when all through the house not a good deed was stirring, and Dad was a louse. Their mother was angry and loaded with care, cause the gift list was longer than ever this year. The children were all nagging for gifts worth a ton, and Dad was convinced Christmas just isn't fun. With Mom's loud complaining and Dad mad at all, they loaded the car for a trip to the mall. They stopped first at Sears to buy Grandma a platter, and at Ward's sis tried on jeans that confirmed she was fatter. They stopped at the ATM for some more cash, and they saw their new neighbors with their Christmas stash. Hearts sank as they saw what their neighbors could spend. We've got to buy more, everybody chimed in. When what to their red shopping eyes should appear, but a sign with the answer to their Christmas fear, use credit, use Visa, use MasterCard. Just run up their limits, it's not very hard. More rapid than eagles, the charges they came, and they whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Nordstrom, now Kmart, now Price Club and Kinney's. To Broadway, to Target, we'll finish at pennies. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, their packages piled up, they'd outbought them all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when met with an obstacle mount to the sky, so flew away hope of a Christmas of joys. Not a problem was changed by the gifts and the toys. And then in a twinkling, Dad knew without a doubt they needed to know what is Christmas about. That night in a dream, he saw Bethlehem town and a babe in a manger with thorns for a crown. And then what Dad saw brought tears like a flood. Christ's back was all tarnished or lashes, brought blood. A rugged old cross was his tortuous rack as he shifted its weight to his now bleeding back. His eyes filled with burdens, t'was nothing there, Mary. The thorns had no roses, the night became eerie. His dry, thirsty mouth was drawn thin like a bow, and the beard of his chin was plucked out cruelly and slow. The cross from his back held him high in his shame, and the soldiers encircled his death with a game. He had a kind face, in his eyes none saw hate, and he shook when they laughed at his horrible fate. He was dying for me, took my sins on himself. And I wept when I saw him in spite of myself. A look at his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work. He took all my sin and then turned with a jerk. It is finished, he said. Death he willingly chose. Then glory to God, from the grave he arose. 
Dad sprang from his bed, shouting, What Christmas gives, it's not all the gifts, but that Jesus now lives. So you'll hear them exclaim on their next Christmas night, Happy Christmas to all who will keep Christmas rights. Matthew 1.23 says the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's our story today. You can find it in podcast form on the Relevant Radio app, as well as RelevantRadio.com, as well as our Glenn Story Corner Facebook page for the text and audio as well. Coming up in a few moments, and we always welcome your suggestions for the Story Corner. Email them to morningair at relevantradio.com. Our thanks to producers Mariano and Gabby and Sarah and everyone who makes this uh, fun, festive program possible each and every day. Thanks for joining us. Patrick Madrid is next. He's got all the answers. I don't know about you know, who to buy for at the last minute gifts, but a lot of interesting stuff coming up after a quick peek at the news. All here, straight ahead on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.